So this week I went to a lecture by the Dean of Yale Divinity School, and he opened by saying essentially, we live in horrible times. And you could feel his weariness, our weariness. You could feel the weariness as he listed off the enormous global cataclysms that are right in our face, and the pandemic, the economic devastation, the terrible impact of systemic racism, and climate change. Here in California, fires devastating 4 million acres. It's now up to more than the size of Rhode Island. And in fact, it's four Rhode Islands worth of land has burnt just here on the West. And each one of us has been hit personally from everything, the smoke clogging our lungs to the fact that we're all here online. I'm preaching today from my office. Reverend Nate is over in the sanctuary. Our kids this morning had Sunday school online before this service. And these changes from the pandemic are now in our bones. I mean, I started just a few minutes ago saying I went to a lecture and I just knew, you all knew, I didn't trot out of my house. I didn't do a lecture anywhere other than on my computer or Zoom. So we've all adapted and we're enduring it, but it's taking a toll. And then we add in the election. Many of us are teetering between hope and hopelessness. All of these together, in a sense, have been a massive attack on our hope. When will the pandemic end? We don't know. What's going to happen in the election? Will people in our streets ever be housed? Will the hungry be fed? Will the planet be livable? Can we make a dent, really, in racism? We are living in a time that is incredibly fertile ground for hopelessness to grow. But here's the thing. Buried deep within hopelessness, there's actually a glimmer of hope. We wouldn't feel despair if we didn't have a sacred vision of what should be and what is right and what is just. So within hopelessness, there's this very odd thing. There's this God-given gift, a glimpse of the true kingdom of God, one of healing and salvation and freedom from all shackles. It's a kingdom of love beyond our imagining. And in our hopelessness, that's what we're yearning for. And that actually is a bit of hope. In our first reading this morning, God reaches right into the seeds and sprouts of despair and declares through the prophet Isaiah that the powers of this world do not get the final say. God declares, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Beside me, there is no God. God's talking at this point in history to the people of Judah and Israel who'd been conquered decades earlier and they've been ripped out of their homes and they're in exile in Babylon. And God's saying, I am the Lord, regardless of your suffering. I am the Lord and there is no other. other. The powers of this world, the oppression you're living under, is not the ultimate power. And then if you go back to the reading and listen to the promises, I will go before you 
Level the mountains, give you treasures of darkness. I mean, right there, I could do a whole sermon. What are treasures of darkness? And why would God give us all this? The proclamation is so that you may know it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by name. God's calling us all by name, calling each and every one of us to lift up from the pain, to train our eyes on the one who is truly worthy of hope, God. I am the Lord your God. And this isn't simply a triumphal claim. This is God saying, yes, remember, you can have hope in me. And why? Because look at what I've done for you. You're my people. I love you. I want to be in relationship with you. So trust me. And look, my hand is in this world. My hand is at play in this world and has been from the beginning of time. My hand is at play in this world for you. When this passage was recorded, the people were on the edge of being freed. Uh, They were being freed through the political leadership of a foreign king, a King Cyrus, who did not know God, was not a believer. So when God says, I am the Lord and I call you by name, God means each and every one of us regardless of the status of belief. Because God's saying she's grasped the right hand of King Cyrus, who is not a believer, and through King Cyrus, freeing the people. This is more fodder for hope. God harnessing forces in this world to serve the greater good of liberation and justice and transform this world to make things new. God has planted the vision of what is good and right and just for for the world within us. And that vision is our hope and our invitation to hear God calling us by name, to not train our eyes only on the despair, but where the eyes should be on God. And then let God feed that hope so we can participate in helping God's kingdom come into being amidst the suffering and the brokenness and all that's wrong today. Now, emerging from hopelessness doesn't mean we ignore what's wrong. We have anger at the disconnect between what is and what should be. What is and what is sacred are not aligned. And that anger is appropriate, and it's to be named. It's not to be shoved down. The theologian Willie Jennings speaks of how our anger binds us to God's righteous indignation. And in that binding, there is fuel for our ability to speak truth, to fight for change, and to uphold the dignity and humanity of every single person. We're to take God's hand, not so that we can skip through the tulips and ignore worldly reality, but rather so that we become beacons of God's love, working to the greater end of universal justice and love for all within the brokenness, within the pain, within the hopelessness. And our gospel this morning hits on how we're called to be both with God and in this world. 
And Jesus smashes the idea that there's a world that we live in and there's God's world and that they're separate spheres. The question is, do we pay taxes to Caesar or do we give to God? No, says Jesus. It's not an either or. It's God's world, as we saw in Isaiah, is the ultimate world. And where we are now is within God's world. Bible study this week, Reverend Nate suggested we picture the realms this way. God's realm is this enormous circle, you know, busting out of the frame of this video. And ours, a little circle within. And so we're supposed to engage in all aspects of our world within so that the sacred within which we were created here can shine through, the sacred within which we are placed in the greatness of God's God's world can shine through. So on the very practical level, what we're called to do, for those of us who are eligible to vote, is vote. What we're called to do is engage with our society. And we're called in this voting time and in everything we choose to do in community, in politics, in society, we're called to make choices that align with God's love for all. For myself, I'm asking which choices from between the candidates and propositions are choices that truly reflect loving my neighbor. Theologian Almeida Wright writes that um, hope is not a mere projection of good ideas into the future or simply a wish for a good outcome. Hope is an active orientation toward the good. Hope reminds us to look beyond the current situation to a sustaining force that is much bigger than the pandemic or anything happening in this world. So if you need sustenance this week for your hope, I invite you to come back onto YouTube and bathe in bits of this service. This service in particular is chock full of praising who God is. Like the opening hymn and the psalm are sing about singing to the Lord a new song. Uh, or the hymn, one of my favorites and one of the silliest in a sense, but the most glorious, praising the earth and all stars and trumpets and pipes and even classrooms and test tubes. And the readings are dancing between this praise of, yes, I am the Lord, your God and the call to reflect God's love in this world. And right before the sermon, we sang what could be considered a prayer for strength on this journey. It's an exhortation I'd like for us to close with and cling to this week. We sang, grant us courage, grant us wisdom for the facing of this hour courage, wisdom for the living of these days, courage, wisdom, serving thee whom we adore. So let's go forth with courage, with wisdom, clinging to the vision of who God is and the awareness that God is in this world calling us by name. Amen.